Welcome to Business Talk with Henrietta. This is the space where we talk with the most up-and-coming entrepreneurs to figure out how they built the life of their dreams. This episode is also sponsored by the Scandinavian furniture company Produkta. And our last sponsor is Bilagsfeber, the Norwegian accountant firm. And today, uh, it's 16th of August, I'm sitting in the top of New York and I have the pleasure to speak with Indy Sanders. We met through the network of Antler, actually, yeah. Yeah. which I also participated in in Copenhagen and she participated here in New York. Antler is a VC fund and she's the founder of, or they, is the founder of PerformVoo, which is a platform that is creating the digital home for experimental performance art and providing a direct funding route for artists. And you also called it more, before we started this, it's Netflix for performance content. Exactly so. You just launched last month, so it's quite new. Uh, but a little bit about your background. You left school at 13, spent six years traveling and living across the world playing elite international tennis. You were a top-ranked player on the UK and European ran- rankings with several international titles before then competing on the professional circus across the world. But you had a dramatical ending to this journey because yep. you had a back injury. Uh, and But you rose back up and now you're here in New York. You just got married. And I also want to ask you about that. You're also proud to be non-binary and queer in business. So this is uh, the, the episode where we'll dig into your journey as a pro athlete turning founder and also how it is to be in non-binary and career in business. Really impressive. And I really like your style. You have red pants, a maritime blue shirt, like this little clock over here. You're so fancy. And uh, thank you for joining. Welcome to Business Talk, Indy. Thank you so much. What a kind introduction. I feel uh, honored to have such a, a big a big intro. Yeah. Well, now everyone knows a little bit brief about who you are, but I also want to hear, like in your own words, who are you and, and what made you the person you are today? How old are you? And, and tell, give us a little brief. A little bit of juice background. on it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'm 27 now. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, I played on the professional tennis circuit for uh, about six years. That was pretty crazy. Um, I got to the point when I was 13 where I was traveling so much that they said, you know, you have to leave school now and just do it full time. Mm. So I lived abroad in Tel Aviv, across Germany, across France, uh, and I was playing about eight hours a day. So it's pretty intense uh, work style at 13, right? You basically are thrown into the depths of professional athlete life, um, which is something I've carried through into my entrepreneurial journey, right? That resilience, that strength to just get up and, and get shit done every day is, uh, is pretty key. Um, but yeah, I played on the tour. That was that was a crazy time. I had sponsors for my clothes, for my rackets, for my shoes, etc. So uh, yeah, definitely the lifestyle that some people aspire for, but it's, it's, it's hard. Yeah. Uh, I then had a back injury that basically meant that I had to make a choice at 19 whether I wanted to continue or not. And I made the choice to, to stop at that point. So went into university, studied politics, had the ambition of being a lawyer, went to law school and realized actually I don't want to be a lawyer anymore. So (laughs) made the shift into business. uh, And my first job was at uh, an investment bank, an American investment bank in Mm -hmm. London. And I was uh, doing M&A origination. So finding new deals for uh, M&A opportunities. And from there, I drifted through different roles. I went into a B2B SaaS company and um, 
I was doing just general business development and then got to the point where I was leading their global strategic growth function quite quickly. Mm. They shipped me over to the US uh, and I spent about a year here before realizing I'm going to start my own thing now. Yeah, when was this? When did you come to the US? Did you come directly to New York? Yeah, so I came in November 2021. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. been about 18 months, a little over now. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's been crazy. I feel like New York is definitely my home now. Uh, I haven't actually left America for 14 months, so that's kind of crazy, but (laughs) (laughs) that's a different story. How's it been for you? Like new country, new lifestyle, new new everything? I think like Obviously, I traveled a lot when I was younger playing tennis, Mm -hmm. right? So I've been to loads of different countries. So when I moved to America, I expected there to be a lot of similarities between New York and London. And I got here and had like culture shock for about six months Mm -hmm. because it is it's thousands of miles away. The culture is super different. New York is way more diverse in terms of the types of people and communities that exist here. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was an adjustment. I miss the supermarkets most out of everything (laughs) because American supermarkets don't cut it for me. (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) <laughs> I get what you mean. I, I think it's overwhelming over here. It's yeah, uh, it's, it's a, a lot, lot of people. But then you met Aisha. Yeah, your partner or your your no. both life partner and now business partner. Yeah. So um, we met in in London in 2019, um, just before the pandemic hit, and wasn't really serious then, to be honest. It was pretty casual. Uh, she moved back during the pandemic to New York, and we didn't really have much contact, and then. 2020 was a bad year for me. I had uh, my back got severely worse and I stopped being able to walk and had a had a pretty intense surgery. And she was kind of one of the standout supports for me during that time for no reason. We reconnected and she was extremely supportive. Yeah. So that kind of built a really good foundation for uh, a long distance relationship that started. Uh, And coincidentally, she came over that uh, later that year to London and Two months after we kind of made it official, yeah. my company at the time, the B2B SaaS company, asked me to move to America. And I was just kind of shocked that the serendipity kind of put us in that situation. But it was, uh, it was you know, fate, I guess, and yeah. moved over here and haven't looked back. I think also, like, everything happens for a reason, right? So yeah. sometimes you just got to follow the flow and, and then you will go into the right direction. And That's now it. you are Perform Vu. Yeah the company you built through Antler. So just tell me, how did you give birth to this company, PerformVu? Yeah. You probably started before Antler or during Antler. So mm-hmm. tell, tell us, how did this product develop? And, and yeah, what, what do you do now? So um, it's actually to do with Asia, my partner. So she's an incredible performance artist. Mm-hmm. Through, her, uh, through her developing her career and me being on the sidelines supporting her through that, I saw two key problems. One was, as an artist, she was struggling to get global reach because she's not a business. She doesn't have a marketing team, so how do you do that? The second was she was struggling to monetize her work and get compensation for all the amazing video performances she has. Yes. So um, by witnessing that and trying to problem solve for her, I thought, this is actually a problem for everyone in this industry. And for me, being someone who sat in the audience for the first time when I hadn't heard of performance art or experimental dance or video art before, I became kind of so captivated by how powerful the work is. And I believed that there's a wide audience out there who haven't had access to this, haven't had exposure that would want to watch this stuff. So with those kind of problem sets, I thought, okay, we've got an audience that would be hungry for this content. And we've got artists that want support to get their work out there. Why don't I create something that kind of solves both problems and, and you know, creates a future of entertainment and enjoying art consumption uh, that, we, that we're going to see in the future. Okay, I'm taking a quick break here because the next one minute is going to be an ad in Norwegian. 
Ja, då vill jag stolt snacka om min nya sponsor, nämligen AJ produkter. AJ produkter, det är er ett imponerande sällskap som har i all sin drift varit familjeägd och det står det stor respekt i. De har byggt sig upp sedan 70-talet och nu är er de i 19 land. AJ produkter säljer allt från kontormöbler, butikmöbler, inredning till konferenser, garderoba och till och med möbler till skolan. De har faktiskt allt vad du kan tänka till kontoret. Och många tror att AJ produkter producerar vara utanför Europa, men det här stämmer faktiskt inte. De har många vara producerat i Europa i hög kvalitet och mye är er också egenproducerat. Hos AJ-produkter så får man mye for pengene. Prisene, de er fornuftige, så hvis du er på utsikk efter nye kontormøbler, eller bara en enkel oppbevaringsboks, et skap, eller have senkebord til hjemmekontoret, så lover jeg AJ-produkter, de har så mye på hjemmesiden deres. Så det er bare å gå in og sjekke ut vad de har. Jeg har lagt til en link til hjemmesiden deres her i beskrivelsen, og du... De leverer faktisk til hele Norge. Yeah, because you were talking about that you've been watching so much crap yeah. on Netflix. Like, yeah. you know, I, I do it myself. I get my meal and I sometimes just, you know, start watching something random, right? right. So this will this will maybe make it more accessible to watch performance art yeah. for people in their living rooms, right? And it's, it's not that we're going to replace your lunchtime meal with, Perform view instead of Netflix. I think it's just like there's so much content out there, and yeah. so much of it is completely meaningless. Mm-hmm, you scroll mm-hmm. through TikTok and you forget what you've watched. If you like, I can bet you, if you go on TikTok for half an hour, and then afterwards you sit down with a pen and paper and you try and write down all the videos you've watched, you won't remember like 99 percent oh, of them. That's true. Yeah. So the impact that you, the content that you're watching, is having is minimal. So what we're trying to do is create a space for that impactful content. Mm-hmm. So when you want that time to watch something that challenges you and challenges mm-hmm. your views on society and gives you exposure to other people's experiences, mm-hmm. you can watch this stuff. Exactly. So you're very artistic yourself. You're together. Your your wife is an artist. You're working with artists. You're working with artist content. Yep. So is this some of your, your, your passion? What are you passionate about? Are you passionate about about? art history or, or art in general have you always been this or yeah I think like where does it come from I've personally seen my creativity carved out through my business career more than anything in terms of the businesses I was in before this whether it was the investment bank or uh, the b2b role in the investment bank I was I loved kind of the creative sector and specifically media and entertainment um, so I, I used to kind of go and carve out side projects that would just be me and I would just be working on them and creating new structures and, and finding new activities. Mm-hmm. So I think that was my creative realm. But what I find, yeah, super energizing is the ability to help others yeah. who are creative, who don't have the business structures because they haven't been in this world. Mm. So how can I bring my business background to help them just create more and have a better future? Exactly. And now you got funding from Antler, right? Yeah. This VC fund. How how was this experience for you? Going through this, their accelerator. Yeah. yeah was, we have the similar experience there. Right. Yeah. You, you did it recently <laughs> as well. So um, it was crazy. I think I quit my job in April and that's when Antler's program started yeah. here in New York. Uh, at that time, as a first time founder, I didn't have a huge network of founders. And that's what I found so valuable about the process. You're in there for... 
a little over eight weeks, I guess, or just around eight weeks. Um, you're day to day talking to other founders, about 30 or so in your group. You're networking, you're brainstorming problems together. Um, it's a really good place to grow a business, I think. And yeah. you've got the experts there by your side guiding you and challenging you. So it was pretty awesome, pretty intense as well. Um, going from kind of doing the startup stuff very minimally on the side of my day job to being 100% into PerformView. Yeah. Um, it's a big shift, I guess. And uh, yeah, it takes very a lot. Much, very <laughs> much. And, and I think the Anther experience is like you get in there and you're supposed to find the groundbreaking new idea that's going to be the next unicorn. You're supposed to find the co-founder where you're going to, you know, you're going to need, you need to be complementary in all different aspects to run this business. But also you need to get that funding, right? Right. To run it further because you can't <laughs> do anything without capital. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard, but you managed to go through it and yep. now you are here. Um, and you're also, proud you're saying you're proud of being non-binary and queer so yeah. tell me can you just you are the first person i'm interviewing that is non-binary yeah. and queer and you tell me that i need to call you they and not he or she yeah. <laughs> but tell me can you just tell me about your your non-binary queer uh journey yeah like yourself personally and also in business okay i'm taking a quick break here because the next one minute is going to be an ad in norwegian Och nu har jag lite lust att snacka om min erfaring med min regnskapsförare, nämligen Bilagsfeber AS, som också är er samarbetspartner på den här episoden. Det har regnskapsförare är er väldigt deligt alltså. Även om man kan göra det själv så är er det många fallgruvor och många fel som till och med jag har gjort i regnskapet mitt ända är er, vill se si att jag är er över genomsnittet god på trippeltex. Um, Bilagsfeber är er ju experter i Tripletech så jag upptäcker ju nya funktioner varje eneste dag som jag inte visste om. Och då är er det deilig att ha någon som som kan det. och som också specialiserar sig på startups, scaleups och små sällskap. Det gör Bilagsfeber. de är er enkel att samarbeta med och ja, hjälper mig att minne på de de reglerna man faktiskt må följa då som som en bedriftsejer. Så jag vill anbefalla dig, hvis du nu är er ute efter en regnskapsförare som också har fast pris, så vill jag checka ut länken som jag har lagt i beskrivelsen här, bilagsfeber.no. Gå så gärna in och följ dem på Instagram, bilagsfeber.as. De är er helt ny där. Så gå in och stött och följ med. So I think it's it's pretty interesting how um my social life and my business life have always been very separate. A lot okay. of my social circles are, they understand what it means to be queer because I surround myself by people who who obviously are queer themselves or, or have queer friends. In the business circles, it's interesting how because of the silencing or the kind of brushing off the shoulder, I'm not going to show my true self in business. Mm. That means that loads of people have just not been exposed to, to queer folks or non-binary folks in this realm. So I'm pretty forgiving in terms of people adjusting to things and I love to kind of share my experience on that. Yeah. Um, but I think really you know, as a non-binary person, as a non-binary founder, you don't see many people like you leading companies. I think it's the same for how women felt, you know, until more recently, we've seen the rise of some some top exits from female-founded companies. Mm-hmm. Um, but non-binary people and queer people are a step behind. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I like to be open about my, my gender and sexuality because I think that, you know, you need to inspire a generation beneath you, but you also need to educate those around you mm-hmm. and say like, actually diverse people mm-hmm. bring diverse ideas, bring mm-hmm. diverse thought patterns mm-hmm. that can build incredibly successful companies. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think actually one interesting thing I'll raise is um, I was talking to a female-founded company that focus on uh, female-founded, a, a female-focused product. Mm -hmm. I won't go into too much detail not to expose them, but it was really interesting speaking to them about how um, they focused on serving women and females because they were focused on problems with the uterus, yeah, right? Yeah. And I turned to them and I said, okay, but if all your marketing is on, around females and them having uteruses, you're forgetting about non-binary people who have uteruses but just don't call themselves a woman or a female. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they were like, oh, wow. And I was like, yeah, that's a huge market as well. So mm -hmm. actually, if you don't look into this stuff, if you don't expose yourself to queer folks and, and the way that they navigate the world, yeah. you're missing out on revenue. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's really interesting to me that so many companies just haven't thought about that and, and people are still educating themselves and I'd love to kind of yeah. help that process. I think that's also like about the diversity, right? What are you exposed to during your daily life? Like maybe in Scandinavia, I'm from Scandinavia, there's, yeah. there's not as diverse as it is here mm -hmm. uh, in, in New York. But I also think that you are you are a role model in terms of, this is why I also run this podcast, because I want to promote more female founders, because we are such a minority yeah. in business, right? And we need more role models to see that someone actually has paved the path and someone has done it before us. Yeah. But you also probably get a lot of reactions from people out there, like, you know, It can maybe be all like small comments and maybe also the fact that I'm asking you about this in a podcast and that this is actually a theme to talk about. Mm. You do know? Like so yeah. so so how has all these reactions from the outside world been for you? I think it's interesting because the the pronouns you, you can hide yourself as a gay or lesbian person mm -hmm. because your name is the same as anyone else's. No one knows yeah, unless yeah. you have a rainbow flag behind you. In a meeting, no one knows. An investor doesn't know. No. But with pronouns and, and non-binary and, and trans folks, like people can tell. Mm -hmm. So it's an interesting process as a founder to try and decide whether I wanted to hide my identity in that way or whether I wanted to not hide it. Yeah. And ultimately maybe showing my identity means that some, some people who are narrow-minded and uh, all the phobia words that you could come out with. Yeah. Maybe they don't want to invest in my business or be business partners or do mm. anything like that. But mm. I've made the decision that actually I don't want those people involved. Exactly. And I need to stand up for myself in that mm. way. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's an interesting ride. It's, it's, <laughs> it adds an extra challenge that um, as a founder, there's, there's many challenges. So yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and talking about challenges, what, what has been your biggest challenge up until now? Such a hard question. I, have, I feel like I have a new challenge every day. Yeah, um, yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so for me, you know, being my background's B 2 B, so going into the consumer space oh, is, yeah. is a shift. Yeah. And um, you know, right now, I, I think if, as a founder, you have a new role every week. So maybe during the Antler process, my role was CTO and business model designer, right? And right now, I think my role is more like social media executive. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to build traction. I'm trying to get growth on social media because that's my main channel of acquiring customers. Exactly. So the challenge, I, the biggest challenge is I, I think I've experienced as a founder is jumping into that new seat and having confidence that even if you know absolutely nothing, in a week's time, you'll probably know a lot and you'll be executing at a high standard. So mm -hmm. just got to keep focused and, and get down into it. Yeah, oh, I love your answer because, you know, you have so many hats, you know, investor relations, building the product, social media, acquiring customers. Um, how are you planning on branding yourself? Because, you know, this is a whole theme, a whole topic about talking about how are you going to, you know, communicate your product out there and how yeah. are you going to, you know, build your social media strategy? 
tell us a bit about that. Yeah, and I think it's hard because you, you have to do different messaging to different groups. Mm -hmm. So um, for we have lots of core values. You know, One is we want to help artists get compensated for their work. Mm -hmm. That's for the artist side. For the customer side, we want to give them new content that they can't find elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And from an investor perspective or from a business perspective, we want to grow a new market and scale a new market through creating access. Mm -hmm. So getting the different channels with the right message is quite a hard thing to juggle. Yeah. Um, we've put a lot of work into making our brand slick visually and making sure that people understand what we do. Uh, but that's an ongoing process. I think we change our landing page every few weeks based on user feedback and we're just constantly learning. And I think that's what you got to do when you build a brand. Just mm. listen to what people are saying and adapt. Listen to what people and adapt. Yeah. How did you land your first client or your first customer? Um, how was it? How was that for you? So during Antler, we, so we launched on 6th of July, Antler finished in, in June, mid-June. So during Antler, we were really focused on getting waitlist growth, drumming up some customers for, to go on the waitlist. So when we were ready to launch, they would all flock in and sign up. Um, but in parallel to that, we were building our social presence. So what we found really powerful was the stories of our artists and the work itself luckily speaks for itself. So we have a lot of visual uh, video content that we can share on social channels. So that's kind of what we pushed out a lot at the beginning, um, drummed up a, a wait list of over 200 folks. And then uh, when we went live ever since then, it's just you know keeping the people happy when they come through the door. So our social channels are kind of scaling quite rapidly with growth and our actual paying customers is also scaling, but we want to lock them in. We don't want them to leave. I don't want someone in for a week and then to leave. Mm. Uh, we have like an 80% conversion rate from our free trial right now. Mm. So that shows us we're doing a good job. You're always going to get churn, but we're doing a good job of taking them from that first exposure on social media through to our platform and enjoying it to stay. Mm. Um, and that's, that's been really fun. Now you have uh, you have control of your uh, you know uh, incoming customers. Was it like you're building a waitlist? Was it like that everyone was storming in, or did you need to work? Yeah, to get no. Them? I think that's the other thing that uh, as a founder you realize is on the day you launch your waitlist and the day you launch your actual product, mm -hmm. you expect like thousands of people to come flocking through the door and. It doesn't happen like that. No. You're going to be depressed the first night you press go on anything. <laughs> and it takes yeah, you, you like, like, oh, no, it works so hard. But then and no one comes. It takes you like three, three days after you've hit go on anything to kind of ground yourself down and go, OK, this is not a problem. Like, it's not a problem that thousands of people didn't come through. They need time to find out who we are. They need time to trust us and become a customer. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's, it was definitely a long process. It, it continues to be a long process. But I think... As an entrepreneur, you should be building for the future, not building for right now. Mm. And if you're if you're so focused on getting 2,000 people through the door right now, they're probably going to be the wrong people. Exactly. You need to make sure they're the right group and you have those like dedicated first 100, 200 customers because that's going to fuel the right direction for the future. Oh, I love it. I love it. Being patient. Yeah. Being patient with your customers and not be like, oh, I'm just going to get this now for the money or for the sake of it or for the numbers. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, patience is like, the biggest skill I think as a founder I've had to lean yeah. on. Yeah. Not that I had much of it at the beginning, but now I do. Tell me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it's hard in the beginning, but you, you start to realize and you learn along the way. Tell me, how do you kind of keep yourself sane in the process? You know, yeah. like how, um, how do you, you, you told me in the elevator on our way up here that it was, it's been a, 
couple of intense weeks, and, yeah. and it, it is for us all, right? Yeah, I don't think it ends. So uh, what are I your think techniques? I've, been, I've yeah. been saying that for a few months. Um, yeah. Last Wednesday, I took. I was trying to take the day off. I ended up only being able to take half half a day off. Exactly. We went to a spa in New Jersey, me and my partner, um, which I would recommend going. It's crazy. It's incredible. Mm. Three floors of like saunas and steam rooms and pools. Ugh, amazing. What's it called? Uh, Sojo Spa. Oh, I'll go there. Yeah, you got to go. It's like a yeah. hundred dollars, but. Yeah. Um, I think taking those moments to just decompress and just force yourself to get away from your phone, force yourself to just actually be, you can't really get nature in New York, so no. you can't, that's not an yeah. option, but yeah. to be somewhere else and remember that life exists beyond your company. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. even if your company fails at the end of the day, the amount that you learn in this process is crazy. Yeah. So you scale your career by like 10 years just in one year. Mm. And I think that's just a super important thing to to keep, close to you and not put so much pressure on the external views of success of your business mm -hmm. because internally as a founder the success is is obvious every day mm. um but it's hard to take time out i must admit it's, yeah uh, it doesn't th that day was probably my first day off in like a month so oh, yeah yeah it's hard it's hard <laughs> how does your everyday look like well, what are you doing like yeah um well asia and i so Obviously, as life partners and business partners, we work in our home, so it, that can be intense. But we we Where do wake you live? in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, so by Prospect Park, it's nice. a pretty nice spot. Um, so we now have decided to start meditating every morning just to clear our heads. Because I think I wake up and my my developer team is in, in in it used to be in India and now it's in in Europe, so they're up and working, and I have like hundreds of messages. But the first thing I want to do is just ground myself. So I meditate, then I check my emails. I now do a morning block of meetings. And then after lunch, I typically have a clear schedule until 11 p.m. Mm. from like two till 11. And that's just nine hours I can just crunk out work, really focused, put some podcasts on, listen to your podcast, of course, and then, um, you know, go to the gym or something in between. Mm. So just working out what schedule works for me mm -hmm. and then making sure I stick to it. Hmm. You 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 have a really strict schedule. I, now I do. I didn't for a while, mm -hmm. and I think um, as a founder, there's so many angles of the business or people that want to talk to you all the time. Mm -hmm. Other founders asking for support. You mm -hmm. asking other founders for support, and mm -hmm. you've just got to compartmentalize it and make sure that you have time to sit and execute. Because mm -hmm. otherwise, you just you're not you're not getting work done. You're just pushing things, pushing emails out and jumping on calls and having conversations. But really, you've got to sit on your laptop with quiet time to, to get stuff done. Mm -hmm. Agree. Agree. <laughs> and you feel so good after doing that. For me, oh, yeah. this this time is where I actually get to sit down and edit. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I need to you know, make this edit work. And, and, and it's not often that you, you get these blocks because there are always so much noise out there. So There's much like noise. messages, yeah. boom, 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 and podcasts. Yay, woo. It's fun. You want to be here, but you also have something Us else pressuring, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's always a balance. Um, and the social media thing is an interesting one. Now that I've stepped into my role as head of social media. Yeah, tell me, tell me. <laughs> um, I, the beginning was making posts every day yeah. for the day to post them, right? So it would be like, right, today's Wednesday, got to make the post and then post it at 4 p.m. Yeah. And I realized how unsustainable that was because I was getting so stressed about the post. And if things were trickling over the timeline, I was getting annoyed. So now I carve out like five hours on a Sunday. I just do all social media for the week if I can. Most of the time I can if I have everything ready. And then it's done. And on the days I just post. Mm -hmm. And that's been like a game changer for me. Because, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, otherwise certain things can just make your days more stressful. I agree. Yeah. I also do this. I kind of, I don't do it on the Sundays. I post when I post. So I, I, I think that can be stressful. Like yeah. I, I post like 
when I have something ready because I also do it very organically. Yeah. Uh, but now, of course, I've made a lot of content with my podcast, with videos, which is going to come up when the podcast comes out. You know. Yeah. It's 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 a whole it's a schedule whole thing. Yeah. and the thing. And you've got like five different platforms to do it on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is your best? We we were digging a bit into it, like your best advice or your best kind of tips for others who want to go in the same direction as you become a founder? Yeah, definitely find a founder community. So whether it's through a program like Antler or other accelerators, just get people around you that are building because they inspire you every day. Yeah. And just do it. Like, I think, you know, a lot of people sit on ideas and they're so smart and they would have a great business model and a great business, but they don't execute it. So just give it a go. If it goes wrong, you can go into a nice plush job afterwards. You can probably get like 2x on your previous salary because you've tried something yeah. like this. So yeah. there's no harm. Just get going. Just get going. Just do it and start a direction. And I want to ask you this as well, which is like the question I ask everyone. Uh, not everyone, but everyone who gets to be a guest in this yeah. podcast. <laughs> uh, if you got $1 million dollars right now to okay. spend on whatever you wanted, whether business or private or whatever, what would you spend them on? So I would, I feel like I would divide it into three chunks. Yeah. I would go the first chunk I would love to just like take out and put it as a, a fund for artists to produce more work mm-hmm. and just give back to help them create. Mm-hmm. The second chunk would be to help the perform view as a business grow. So probably put a load into marketing and grow my team more. And the third chunk, which is maybe more controversial, um, I think as a founder, you're surrounded by so many people with such smart ideas. Mm. If you gave like, I don't know, 10 people, 20 grand, how what would that look like in 10 years yeah someone's gonna have success there yeah so like spread your loss spread your um spread your risk I guess is probably what I would do there and yeah someone's gonna someone's gonna pull it off so why not angel invest alongside being a founder what was your dream what's your goal like where are you in five years um I would love perform view to be household name I would love for us to be on tvs I would love to be hosting content from MoMA Guggenheim some of these big institutions alongside the independent artists and I would love for our artists to earn a living income off just us showcasing their work so mm. that they can just create mm. that's the dream I love your passion <laughs> and I love your accent as well <laughs> thank you <laughs> luckily I haven't lost it yet in America it's hard don't lose it no I, just... I think it's a big advantage for you I hope so. Yeah, yeah I try my best. <laughs> I, I, I can notice that I get um, inspired and I get um, affected by your accent. Thank you. Because yeah. when I speak with Americans, <laughs> I get this very like American accent. But when I speak with you, I, I get more like this this British version. Yeah, of British people for some reason sound intelligent, even if they're not. Yeah, you do. You um, do. Yeah. So that's a winner. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. People think you're smarter than you actually are. Yeah. But I think you're smart from the beginning. Thank you. So, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for being on the show. I'll see you guys. And then, oh, last thing. I want to know if people want to reach out, if people want to follow you or follow your company, where can they find you? What's your handles? Yeah, so Perform View on Instagram is perform and then VU. Uh, and we do most of our socials there. And then personally, I'm uh, IndieLou underscore, which is a, a nice weird one. I don't do much business stuff on my personal one, but uh, you know, I go on nice, nice uh, weekend adventures. So. Yeah, if people love your story, they can follow along. For sure. Thank you so much for listening. See you guys in the next episode. Bye. See you. <laughs>